Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Dr. Jason Kindrachuk is Assistant Professor, also Canada Research Chair of the Department of Medical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases at the University of Manitoba. Dr. Kindrachuk, thank you very much for coming on the program. Thanks for having me on. What are you seeing in, uh, in Winnipeg? What are you seeing in Manitoba during this third wave, which may differ markedly from what you saw in the first two? Yeah, you know, I think we're seeing, so, you know, I, I will throw out right now, I'm, I'm in Saskatoon for 12 months uh, helping with COVID research, but, but still have my lab up and going in, in Winnipeg. I, you know, we're, we're seeing basically the same thing, I think, in, in Manitoba that, that we saw, you know, probably a, a few weeks ago in Saskatchewan, where B117 uh, is, is picking up pace. It's certainly moving through the population. And as people are, are getting sick, what we're seeing is that it's more... I guess there's there's an overrepresentation now of younger people that are showing up uh, in the hospitals and in the ICUs as compared to what we saw in the first two waves, and I think that's something very different for us. We, you know, I think we lived within kind of that that hope maybe that younger people would be spared the the devastating aspects of of this disease, and and the unfortunate reality is, you know, if you put people in the way of uh, of this virus and and they get sick, they can end up getting very very sick regardless of of age. Why younger people? Is it just uh, that they maybe feel that they're bulletproof, or is there something else at play? Well, I think there's a few things at play, right? So the the, the first thing, I mean, Canada did really well with the uh, the vaccine rollout in in the late you know parts of 2020 and early parts of 2021. We got our our high risk populations and our elderly populations in, in long term care facilities protected. We haven't seen that massive surge in in uh, fatal infections and, and outbreaks. Uh, in those settings, uh, like we did the first two waves. The problem is, is that, you know, now we're dealing with, first of all, you know, people that, that are still unvaccinated, that are working uh, as essential workers um, or on the front line of this thing. But we also are dealing with variants that are more transmissible. And even if you take out the idea of them being more virulent, if you have now a variant that's able to move faster from person to person, that's going to put more cases uh, on uh, on the docket and, and ultimately end up with more people in the hospital. Yeah, I'm wondering about where we are as far as uh, our, our ability to deal with these variants is concerned. And there are different factors at play, including in Ontario, hospitals must now halt all non-emergency surgeries yeah. and procedures, according to the Chief Medical Officer of Health. Similarly, in British Columbia, non-emergent uh, hospital procedures have been and not all of them, I don't think, but uh, many of them have been cancelled or stopped or postponed. Is this something that is uh, is happening across the country, and what is it telling us? Yeah, you know, I, I will say right away from my experiences, uh, certainly the you know the, the time that I spent uh, in, in West Africa during Ebola and, and the the things that we've seen with with other outbreaks under pandemics is that when you have these surges of infectious diseases. What happens is it's not just those people that get infected that, that end up putting stress on healthcare systems. You also see the downstream effects on people that can't get the, the regular uh, you know, type of care that, that they so badly need. 
And that's what we're facing right now is, you know, we're, we're seeing that surge in, in cases. And the unfortunate reality is that we are seeing those downstream effects. And, and of course, as you move into areas where you have greater populations, and certainly if you have more disadvantaged populations where you have higher burdens of, uh, you know, of underlying um, health complications that already put people into the hospital, all of this becomes uh, somewhat unmanageable as time moves on. And I think that's where we're kind of getting to now is how do you get out of this when you are not just fighting the virus, but you also now have to try and, and uh, you know, and, and get the healthcare system back to the point at where it was, you know, uh, you know, 14 or 15 months ago. Mm-hmm. Our best defense is still the vaccines, right? Uh, yeah. And I think the, you know, really what, what we've seen is first of all, it's, it's been a, a monumental period of history, right? We've seen multiple vaccines that have been licensed within the span of, of 12 months of identifying a new virus. That's unheard of. But what we're also seeing is that these vaccines, everything we learn from the clinical trials, when we look at the reality of how these vaccines have worked in real-world settings, I think in many ways the vaccines have actually probably um, been far better than what we had maybe appreciated from the clinical trials. So I think certainly vaccination is is one of our biggest uh, pieces of our arsenal. The problem is it's the, the variants are moving at such a fast rate that we can't vaccinate our way out of this. So we can use it to our advantage, but we still have to try and get transmission curbed. And that unfortunately goes back to trying to get, uh, you know, the virus to stop moving from person to person. And that's not easy. We don't have a lot of mechanisms to do that. Mm-hmm. What's your um, opinion of uh, what Parliament decided yesterday, and that is to ban flights from Pakistan and India for 30 days because of COVID spread there? It's it's rampant in India, as we're hearing, and uh, I, I interviewed uh, a reporter in India yesterday. We can play that on the show tomorrow. What's your sense of, uh, of closing the borders? Does it work? Oh, so this is, you know, like this is, first of all, why I'm a virologist and, and not a policymaker, uh, because I'm not smart enough to, uh, to, to be making these policies. But listen, we're, we're in a tough spot. So we, we have a variant that has been identified in India that, that obviously has increased in, in proportion to, uh, to the circulating strains prior to this, or this uh, particular wave. The problem that we're in is we don't know if this is, you know, some sort of uh, new variant that's behaving in a different way or if it's actually a number of other factors that are basically you know, producing and, and creating the situation where we're at. The problem is we don't have a lot of time to figure that out um, because we already did that with B117. So if we basically you know, hold off on, on trying to do any sort of uh, uh, shutdowns of travel, if those cases get seeded into Canada and then we find out it is in fact more transmissible, well, now we have a problem because those cases are now here, so now we have to curb local spread. So, you know, certainly you can curb those types of, of concerns if you can stop their introduction uh, as quickly as possible. But they're not always equitable for people either. And I think that's the position we're in, is trying to decide what is actually feasible and, uh, and, and morally correct to do for, for our own population, but also is equitable for, for other people that, uh, that, that are traveling here and, and need to travel here. Dr. Kendra Chuck, what is your greatest concern about this pandemic today? Uh, not what happened a, a year ago, although yeah. feel free to say that. Uh, tell us if there's a timeline of your concerns. But what's your concern today? My concern today, having, having been through this in the past and, and certainly you know, going through this now, um, my concern is, have we learned anything from this pandemic that is going to change um, the way that we react to the next pandemic? 
Um, certainly, we've exposed, I think, a lot of weaknesses, not only globally, but certainly nationally, in regards to preparedness, and, and in particular for, for disadvantaged communities, and, and certainly uh, those segments of our population that, that we tend to forget in regards to, um, you know, to, to their uh, exposure to these types of events. To me, you know, this is going to be the biggest question is, can we put ourselves into a position where those people are better protected? Because this is not going to be the last pandemic. And that is my concern is we, we should have learned already by this point in yes. history. Um, if we don't learn now, I don't know what it's going to take to, to, to change the tide. We should have learned after SARS. We certainly should have learned after H1N1 in 2009. And, and there's no doubt, is there, that there's another one coming? Oh, it, it, there is absolutely no doubt, right? I mean, when, when we think about pandemics, we tend to think about influenza. Well, we know influenza pandemics occur you know, pretty much every 8 to 40 years. Um, that is something that, that we have to be prepared for. And certainly we have to be prepared for the things we haven't encountered yet. You know, and that, that you know, kind of goes back to a lot of the work that I do, uh, you know, certainly in, in Western Central Africa. We, you know, we're surrounded by viruses, and, and certainly these events um, are, are rare, but when they occur, they can have really massive and uh, you know, profound effects that do actually change human history. So one more quick question for you. Do you have the sense that by the time we get to the end of 2021, that we'll be in a much better place? Because I just read a story earlier today with the medical experts suggesting that, you know, we'll be in a better place, maybe back to some sort of health normalcy by the end of summer. Do you have that sense? Yeah, I think for Canada and, and North America as a whole, I, I think we're certainly in that moving in that direction, right? To me, globally, we're certainly not going to be. We know with vaccine equity, um, this is going to be a big issue in, in low and middle income settings for, for a few years. So uh, we're, we're going to see, you know, I think more normalcy at a local level. But internationally, listen, we're, we're going to be doing this for, for a while. And I think that's the unfortunate reality we have to face now. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.